Mark Sahaba, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, respected listeners of Mark Sahaba, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jamaah. We welcome you to this program, our spiritual breakfast. This is our interview segment, our advice segment, and it is with Mufti Muhammad Aku Saab Taman Parkatu. The date today is the 12th of Shaban, 1445. And let's welcome Mufti Saab. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. for joining us, Mufti Saab. As we see, the West and they use all their propaganda when they want to promote something and they will brainwash every single person. So our duty and function is, of course, the deen of Islam. So we also, we want to promote what is the truth and teach people what is the truth. So this month of Shaban, Mufti Saab has a lot to offer us and we have little time. But let's start off, inshallah, Mufti Saab, the, let's speak about the changing of the Qibla, inshallah. Jazakumullah for this opportunity, Imam Rasha. Allahu Akbar, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, wa sallallahu ala nabiyyallumbi. As we know, Muslims first faced Al-Aqsa, Baytul Maqdis. This was the first Qibla in Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and preserve the Ummah in the four corners of the world, especially in Palestine, in Gaza, in Khalil, and all these Mubarak lands, Asqalan, where our Muslims are suffering, Rafah, in all these regions, this is the lands of Sham. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spoke and said in this hadith, which is sound and sahih, wherein he said that there will be a group of my ummah who will continue striving for Allah. لا يطرهم من خذلهم ولا من خالفهم حتى يأتي أمر الله That whoever betrays them or opposes them will not harm them, will not hinder them. They will continue striving for Allah. And interestingly, in this hadith, there is mention of betrayal also, which is an indication that even those around them, mm-hmm. like we see today, will betray them, like sure. we see in so many from so many Muslim lands. They just betray the, the case of the brothers of our brothers in Palestine. But this hadith says that no matter who betrays them and forsakes them, they will not succumb. Mm. Then the Prophet was asked, "Where are these people?" He said. Baytul Maqdis wa Aknaf Baytul Maqdis. This is in Baytul Maqdis and the surrounding areas. So this is Mubarak lands. And interestingly, this was the first Qibla in Islam. That Muslims were in Makkah Mukarramah, but the Qibla was Baytul Maqdis. Hmm. To such an extent that Sahaba who embraced Islam in Medina Munawwara, they came to meet Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the Hajj. And two Sahaba met Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They were actually looking for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They embraced Islam at the hands of Hazrat Mus'ab ibn Umair. So Hazrat Ka'ab bin Malik narrates this report, the famous poet of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He says, it's the first time myself and Bara bin Ma'roor are looking for Allah's Nabi to meet him. So we asked someone we knew, and he told us, when you enter by the Kaaba, you'll find a man next to Al-Abbas. That is the Prophet So we knew Hazrat Abbas. We didn't know Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So interestingly, when we met Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi we were elated to see him. And Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi recognized Hazrat Ka'ab because he knew him by name. So that made Hazrat Ka'ab very happy. But in that, Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi spoke to Al-Bara bin Ma'roor. And what was Hazrat Bara's request? Oh Allah's Nabi, we are facing Baytul Maqdis from Medina. And he noticed in Makkah, Muslims were facing Baytul Maqdis, but because of love for Kaaba, they would stand on that side of the Kaaba where they're facing both. Oh Allah's Nabi, allow us in Medina Munawwara as well to face uh, Al-Kaaba. 
Allahu Akbar, Rasulullah's response was, Nahnu ala qibla, law sabarna alayha. We are already upon a qibla that Allah wants us to face. Remain on that patiently with perseverance. And subhanAllah, Hazrat Barah accepted. This is the teachings of Islam. What is Allah's, what is the teachings of Islam? What is Allah's command? That is what we abide. And what Allah says, we have to do. Not just janne kanam, but manne kanam. To know and to abide and obey the decisions of Allah, the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Hazrat Bara met Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on two occasions during the Hajj and he returned. Few months later, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did make hijrah. When he arrived in Medina Munawwara, he looked for Al-Bara bin Ma'roor. Subhanallah, and Bara was nowhere to be. Well, he was not there. He asked the Sahaba. They said, oh Allah's Nabi, he passed on. So subhanallah, the first Sahabi to pass away before Rasulullah's arrival in Medina Munawwara was Al-Bara bin Ma'roor. The first Sahabi to pass away in Medina after Rasulullah's arrival was Uthman ibn Mar'oon radiallahu anhu. Anyway, Bara bin Ma'roor passed on. And then the Sahaba mentioned, oh Allah's Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his bequeath was he must be buried facing Qibla. And Allah's Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, approved it. That he said what is right and he did what is right. And subhanallah, he was the first Sahabi to be buried facing Qibla. Then he also gave another request that one third of his wealth is to you, O Allah's Nabi So that was also accepted. And the first Sahabi to be buried facing Qibla and to leave a bequest, a wasiyah of one third was Al-Bara bin Ma'roor. Anyway, months went by in Medina Manwara, the first year after Hijrah. Then the second year came in after Hijrah. The month is Sha'ban. Rasulullah visited the family of Al-Bara bin Ma'roor. And as he was visiting the family, this is the akhlaq of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. A man who left this world, what about his children, what about his family? Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would visit to see what could be done for them, where could they be helped and uplifted and supported. This is the akhlaq of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah help us all support our people in Gaza and Palestine. I mean, I mean, Whatever we have of our investments, of our wealth, and we should actually cancel our, uh, you know, uh, frivolous holidays and so forth and use those monies and send it for our brothers who are giving their lives to protect the holy lands. And look at the sacrifices they are going through. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi in the report of Hazrat Maimuna, and interestingly, this is Maimuna a khadima, Mawlatun Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi a freed slave of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi So this is not Maimuna, the blessed wife of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi This is another Maimuna. She was freed by Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and she served and helped the family of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. She says, well, Nabi Sallallahu uh, uh, to- told us that if you can go make salah in Masjid Aqsa and she said oh Allah's Nabi if I can't make it there Allah's Nabi وسلم, said at least send what you can there and if you can't send much even that much to uh, olive oil to, to, to light the candles of, of, of Palestine of Masjid Aqsa so whatever we can send to these Mubarak lands we should as, as believers and we should take it upon ourselves so here, Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam uplifted this family. But interestingly, in this month of Sha'ban, after visiting the family, he went next door for Salah, visit with the time of prayer. And in that Salah, these verses of Surah Baqarah, now Ramadan is dawning upon us. Let's remember, Surah Baqarah is the first Medina Surah to be revealed. The first Medina Surah is Al-Baqarah. Now when we're listening to the ulama and the imams in the month of Ramadan, let's remember that the Surah, 
that we are listening to was the first surah to be revealed in Medina Manawara. That's why there's so much of discussion concerning the Jewish community, because they were residents in Medina Manawara. And interestingly, the fact that they lived in Medina was because they knew about the arrival of Rasulullah in Medina Manawara. But then what hindered them from embracing and accepting the truth is the sad reality of racism that mm. they suffer from this spiritual malady and disease that they badly suffer from, where they sadly consider themselves better than others, and they don't consider Allah's creation as equal, and this is, you know, uh, a sickness that they have. And this is what Rasulullah eradicated from the beginning stages of Medina, where he gathered Sahaba, a Muhajiri, an Ansari, a Muslim who's years in Islam, a Muslim who's recent in Islam, Allah's Nabi made them brothers. This was to eradicate this disease of looking down upon others. Anyway, in that salah, in this month of Sha'ban, These ayat concerning facing the Qibla was revealed. And that masjid next to the home of Al-Barab al-Mahroor, subhanallah, is known as Masjid al-Qiblatayn. Because in one salah, both qiblas were faced. So alhamdulillah, look at Allah's mercy. The sahabi whose heart was yearning for Kaaba. Allah made it happen that from his home, the command of Allah comes to face the Kaaba. What we learn from here, make firm intentions to please Allah. That Allah must accept us, our families, our progenies, for humanity's hidayah, to serve humanity, to serve Allah's creation, to bring people together. Make far-reaching intentions. And Allah sees those intentions. Allah accepts, Allah knows. And Allah will make it happen. Here, the Sahabi left this world, but already Allah is, Allah is, Allah is connecting it to him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hazrat Khadija, long before she heard about uh, or learnt about Rasulullah uh, before the time of Rasulullah she heard when a man speak about the arrival of the final Nabi of Allah and her friends laughed she remained silent but made dua that Allah if you gave me that opportunity to serve him I would really go out of my way and do my best and her intention was accepted by Allah long before Nabi arrived in Medina Abu Ayyub asked Allah for acceptance and Allah accepted that Allah's beloved Sallallahu was hosted by Abu Ayyub. So my point here is, even in the story of Qibla, we learn, make firm intentions, deep down, and inspire our children to make intentions. And Allah will accept, definitely. I think there is other events Mufti Sab wants to talk about and then just towards the end inshallah we just want to speak a little bit on the encouragement for the 15th night of Shaban for our listeners, the Ummah what can we do, How sh- what should be the programming of our mind and our schedule inshallah okay. another pertinent event that happened in this month that I feel it's interesting for us to learn and go into further as, um, as, as an ummah, because it will help us to program ourselves in the month of Ramadan. And that is the incident of Muraysi'ah. This incident of Muraysi'ah, uh, Allahu Akbar, is known as, uh, as Ghazwatul Muraysi'ah and Banul Mustaliq. They were, this happened in the 6th year Hijri. So the previous event was in the 2nd year Hijri. This is in the 6th year Hijri. What happens here is, 
there was this tribe that were planning an attack upon Medina Munawrah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent a sahabi by the name of Burayda bin Husayn. You go and verify, is this true? And it was verified that they were en route coming to invade Medina Munawrah and to crush and demolish. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's wisdom was such that before they made their move, he was already there. And subhanallah. On this expedition, there were certain hypocrites who were all along in Medina Munawrah and they were always trying to destroy Islam from Medina Munawrah. But this time, they tried something else. What they said is, we will join Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and internally, we'll try and, try and crush them. So, namely, Bin Ubay. Abdullah bin Ubay, but at least to remember, respected listeners, is Bin Ubay. He and his cronies joined in. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Mubarak wife, Hazrat Aisha radiallahu was with. And as they were traveling, Bin Ubay and his men were always trying to make trouble. He did a very similar thing in Uhud. When the Muslims were facing the Mushrikeen, at that time, he retreated with a large group of his men. And his intention there was to crumble the Ummah from within. And this is a hypocritical quality, to break the Ummah, to crumble the Ummah, to puncture the Ummah. And this is what he tried to do in this expedition, Mauritius. Let's mention a few incidents what happened here. In this month of Shaban is this journey. There were two Sahaba taking water. And now an argument broke out. And in that argument, one called his family, the other called his family. And now this small issue became a big issue. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came into the matter and said, why do you all call the slogans of Jahiliyyah? And Allah's Nabi is amongst you. And what are the slogans of Jahiliyyah? To call your people to help you. That is not allowed in Islam. There's no such thing, my people, my people. Yes, we love our family, but we also love humanity. And we cannot stand up for our family member if our fa- own family member is unjust. The Quran Karim teaches that we cannot stand up for injustice. So Allah's Nabi Sallallahu teaches them this. But when this happened, Bin Ubay found an opportunity and he's telling his men, you see these Muslims, you see these Muhajireen, they came here as refugees and who they think they are. And I told you all not to spend on them and not to give them. And what is wrong with you all? And so forth. And he was, you know, giving his words, causing internal trouble. But subhanallah, Allah's men, subhanallah, amazing. And that young Sahabi Zaid bin Arqam, who hears this, he was actually from the tribe of Bin Ubay. He was hurt by this. So he got this information to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that this is what this man is doing. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked him, that is this what, you, what you're saying? This is the akhlaq of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He never judged people by hearing one side of the story. And Allah Ta'ala save us. You know, we hear one side of the story and we just start talking about something. But Islam teaches us, verify, find out about the other side of the story first. And subhanAllah, uh, here... When this Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam called bin Ubay and he denied it totally. And the Sahabi Zayd bin Al-Qam was saddened by the situation. Because now he hurt, he doesn't want to hurt Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and call, cause trouble internally. And Allah revealed chapter 63 of the Quran Kareem where Allah exposes the hypocritical qualities of bin Ubay and his men. Where they show dependence that they do not need Allah's deen and they take their oaths as shields and all these kind of qualities. And also, the words of bin Ubay was quoted in this chapter. Don't spend on those by Rasulullah. Let them disperse. You'll see, you don't spend on them, they'll go away from Medina. And then, he also made a statement. When we go back to Medina, you'll see 
the dawn of Medina is me, Aas, I'm going to kick out the most disgraceful one. Ya Allah, he made statements like this. And this young Sahabi, young Sahabi couldn't bear it. But Allah revealed this in the Quran and exposed Bin Ubay. Ya Allah. But look at Allah's mercy. Bin Ubay's own son was a sincere Sahabi. Ya Allah. And he comes to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Oh Allah's Nabi, you allow me. I'll finish my father off. He was prepared to do that because of his devotion and his love for Allah's deen. And Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did not allow Bin Ubay's son to do that. Leave him. We'll make sabr over him. And what the son then did was he stopped his father from entering Medina. And he said, you will not enter until you acknowledge that you're the most disgraceful and Allah's Nabi is the most honored. That was one event that happened. Another event that happened during this expedition, Ya Allah, is where Hazrat Aisha, where they camped at a certain point. And Hazrat Aisha went to get ready because the departure is in a, in a, in a little while. She came back to get into her hodaj, her carriage, a hodaj, a litter, a carriage. Then she realized the necklace that she was wearing was her sister's, and it wasn't on her. She went back to where she relieved herself to see if it had fallen. This is Amana. It wasn't her. She has to return it. And while she went the second time, the Sahaba in charge of returning the carriage put it back onto the camel, and everyone had departed. When she comes there, there was no one there. They didn't realize she wasn't inside. Anyway, instead of her running helter-skelter, look at her wisdom. She says, if I go into any direction, what if they traveling in another direction? Let me wait exactly here because this is where Rasulullah saw me. And he will come back here to find me. So she waits there. And subhanAllah, Allah's beloved had a sahabi by the name of Safwan bin Mu'attal who was uh, appointed to travel a leg behind everyone to see if anyone or anything is forgotten. And this was the wisdom of Rasulullah. If you go somewhere, sometimes to take one last look also can also be attributed to this sunnah. Just make sure nobody of the family or the children forgot something and so forth. In this, and you'll find sometimes when you just take that last look, many a time through the barakah of the sunnah, we find something very pertinent was forgotten. Maybe in the safe or maybe in the closet. Or, you know, so, subhanallah, the sunnah is so all-encompassing. All anyway, he sees Hazrat Aisha, and all he says is, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi She was in hijab, but he had, and uh, obviously, her niqab. But obviously, he, he saw her before hijab was legislated. So all he said was, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi The blessed wife of Rasulullah And nothing else did he say. And he went aside, he put the camel down, knelt the camel down, went aside, and he let her climb onto the camel, and then he took the reins of the camel, and they didn't speak anything else further. When they came amongst the camp, when they finally arrived to the Sahaba, عنهم, Bin Ubay was looking for opportunities like this to cause fitna. Hmm. And he started spreading this fitna. And he started adding, uh, as we say, masalas to the story. You know what happened? Where Aisha went? Who she went with? You know what they did there? And he made it a whole long story. And obviously, his hypocritical uh, cronies and spoons and stooges started spreading the same. And in that, Allahu Akbar, the Sahaba did not involved in this. They did not involved in this, in this fitna. Like Hazrat Abu Ayyub Ansari, he comes home, his wife is telling him, do you know, did you hear what happened? He said, what? What are you saying, Ummu Ayyub? She says, this is what happened. He asked her, who are you? She said, I am Abu Ayyub's wife. 
So Hazrat Abu Ayyub says to his wife, that is Rasulullah Sallallahu wife. I don't want to hear this from you again. This is how Sahaba dealt with it. They never discussed this fitna. And in that, there were a few who were sincere people, but they fell into the fitna unintentionally, hearing what bin Ubay and his cronies are saying. And that's another lesson we learn. When someone speaks bad about another, behind that person's back, and we defend the one who is being attacked or is being uh, disgraced, and we know good about that person and we defend that person, what will Allah do for us? Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, on Judgment Day, you defended another brother, another sister for Allah. My sister, you defend the sister. My brother, you defend the brother. مَنْ Allah will defend you on Judgment Day. Then the incident is lengthy. I would love you to read the translation of Surah An-Nur and read this 16 ayat of Surah An-Nur were revealed on this occasion after some time that Allah was proving to humanity the greatness, the status, the position of our mother, Hazrat Aisha, radiallahu ta'ala anha. My point of discussion here is Ramadan is to teach us how to protect our every limb from displeasing Allah. It's not just to stop our mouths from the intake of food and drink, but it's also to protect our eyes, protect our tongues, our mouths, protect our hands, protect our feet. It's to teach us how to live as better human beings, as better people. As our elders say, learn to live Ramadan correctly, and then from there, learn to live our lives like the days of Ramadan. Hmm. The one who spends his life like Ramadan, when death comes, he'll be so elated and happy. It'll be like the news, the sound of the joy, of the arrival of Eid. So this month of Shaban is really so valuable. Nabi Sallallahu made a lot of effort in this month of Ramadan, of Shaban. And Sahaba asked why. He said, this is a month neglected. In Nasa'i, this is reported. It's neglected. It's between Rajab and Ramadan. And it is a month wherein our good deeds are raised. That's why this is a month also to do extra and get ourselves ready for Ramadan. As you were saying, Hazrat uh, Manala, you be on one side of, uh, if a man is driving on the highway, and he's driving on the right lane, and he knows in about two or three kilometers or, or a kilometer, he's going to be taking the left, the, taking the taking the a left turn, mm. or taking uh, what, what you call it, what you call that, uh, you know, a road, taking taking uh, taking an off ramp, taking the off ramp on the left side. The wise thing to do is slowly start making his way towards the left, so that when it, and the off ramp comes, it's easy for him. Otherwise. In the last minute, just to take a turn and a jerk and a jolt, obviously it could be catastrophic. Hmm. So, yeah, I like that. And I, uh, to explain what Mufti Sahib is meaning is that I think it's Ramadan is coming. So for us to now gradually go into that lane so we can take the offering for Ramadan, meaning uh, stop our sins. And this is the night of Shaban that will come, inshallah, 15th night, Sunday night after Maghrib, or Maghrib time that will set in the 15th night of Shaban in South Africa. And in other areas, it will be on the Saturday because the moon of Shaban was spotted a day earlier there. Mufti Sab, on this night, uh, what should we be concentrating on? MashaAllah. So this is a Mubarak night. Uh, like in the Hadith, the Hadith says every night Allah's mercy descends and Allah asks his creation what do you have to ask me 
Who's asking for forgiveness? Who's asking for the fulfillment of a need? Who's asking for Allah's help? This happens every night. But what's the difference on the 15th night of Sha'ban? The hadith in Ibn Majah is quite interesting that mentions that on the 15th night of Sha'ban, this mercy of Allah starts right from sunset. Normally, this exquisite mercy starts at the time of Tahajjud. Hmm. But on the 15th of Sha'ban, it's throughout the night. So obviously, it's a night that we shouldn't waste. There's an ayah of the Quran Kareem in Surah Dukhan. But obviously there's two views about that ayah. Hami Allah min Shaitan Rajim Smilahi Rahman Rahim. Hamim wal kitabil mubin inna anzalnahu fi laylatim mubarakatin inna kunna mundirin fiha yufraku kullu amrin hakim. The preferred view about Laylatul Mubarakayah is Laylatul Qadr. But there is a view of the Mufassirin that it it also is the fifteenth of Sha'bah. So one interpretation, Hazrat Mufti al Hafizahullah, explains that the, the blessings start from the 15th of Sha'ban, but actually the night is, uh, is Laylatul Qadr. So mm-hmm. obviously there is blessings in the 15th of Sha'ban, but the ultimate blessing is Laylatul Qadr that we have to search for. But is the night a blessing? Yes, it is a blessed night. There's a beautiful dua Hazrat Aisha narrates Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was making, so we should also make that dua. Uh, that beautiful dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also went to the graveyard so it's also uh, a sunnah on Fridays and it's a sunnah to visit the graveyard and make dua for the deceased and visiting the graveyard softens the heart reminds us that you know we're going to be leaving this world at any time are we ready are we making ourselves right with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what we have to remember is fuququllah and fuququl ibad did I do anybody down. Let me repay the people I owe. Let's conscientize ourselves of those things, especially on occasions like, like these. And subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives every person. But there are those who do not get forgiven. And subhanAllah, the hadith says, mentions a mushrik. Allah ta'ala save us. The one who ascribes partners unto Allah. The other hadith explicitly mentions al-mushahin. A person who harbors hatred and ill-feeling in the heart. So this is a night we should sit and introspect and say, Allah, cleanse our hearts. If we have hatred towards anybody, we should ask Allah to cleanse our hatred towards that person. And if we harmed anybody, seek the pardon of that person. Because this is the night to actually ask Allah to cleanse us. Because between Laylatul Qadr and 15th of Shaban, and interestingly, it seems connected, there is a lot to do with the taqdeer of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's more so, more so Laylatul Qadr. Because we don't even know whether we're going to be here the next year. So we have to make right with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So many were with us on the previous Ramadan, and not here this time. So this 15th of Shaban is to get us into gear and get us ready. The reality has to dawn upon us that Ramadan is coming. So this quality of shahna, imagine how bad is hatred in the heart that even on Mubarak occasions, like 15th of Shaban, one who harbors hatred will not be forgiven. What a bad thing, because the heart is something so important. We have to ask Allah to cleanse our hearts. Now there's ways. We have to make dua. But if we harbor hatred towards someone, make ikram of that person and ask Allah to give us love for that person. If, if that person wronged us in, in any way, still, let it, let it go. You know, subhanAllah, Luqman, uh, what he says so beautifully, that certain things we should always remember. What is that? Allah and death. And certain things we should always forget. 
And they asked him what? He said, the good you did to people. Forget about it because mm. you did it for Allah. Gee. And the second thing we should forget is when people harmed us. Forget about it. Carry on. There's so many positive things. There's so much of good to do. Let's not hold on to some, something that will keep our hearts dirty. That's why Allah's beloved Sallallahu said to Hazrat Anas, Oh Anas, if you have this ability to wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night with a clean heart, bring alive this sunnah, Anas. Now imagine Anas is a special khadim of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But bring alive this sunnah because it's my sunnah. And he emphasized, this is my way, my sunnah. And you bring alive my sunnah. You have loved me and you love me. You will be with me in Jannah. Imagine that sahabi and the preferred view about the name of that sahabi is Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas. Abdullah bin Amr bin As says, I was with Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and three days consecutively before that sahabi came, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, a Jannah is coming. Look at Sahaba's purity. Abdullah bin Amr bin As made a plan to go stay with Sa'ad bin Waqqas for a few days to learn what is so special about him that makes him a Jannati whilst walking on this earth. And afterwards, when he gave up, because he thought that he has, he does what we do. But Sa'ad then told him, you see, always keep the heart clean. And this is, I think, the highlight of the 15th of Shaban, that we should all try our best to ask Allah, إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَ اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ Allah give us perfect. Allah give us the opportunity, Mara Zayed Jazakumullah khairan, Mufti Sahib, for you, for giving us these inspiring words. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to practice. We request your duas. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Marcus Sahaba, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jamaah.